Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is June 27th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me blog. And remember how yesterday I said that the chronological order of some of these gospels is they're just different from each other. They differ and we don't really know exactly how it all fits together. But we're going to see that again today when we take a look at the book of John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, it says that Mary Magdalene goes very early in the morning and she's all alone and she sees that the stone is rolled away and there's no angels or anything. She just sees that it's rolled away and she runs to go get the disciples and to tell them what's going on. Now, I don't necessarily think that that contradicts the other gospels. I think maybe, for example, in Mark, it says that there were a bunch of different women that went early in the morning, and it lists Mary as one of them, but perhaps Mary wasn't actually there with the big group of women. Perhaps she came before the other women, saw that the rock was moved, and then ran to go tell the disciples. And maybe Matthew just lists her among that group because she was normally with that group. I don't know. But for whatever reason, that's a little bit different there in the book of Matthew. Now, what's interesting is in Luke, where again, we see multiple women who have come to the tomb, have witnessed the rock being moved, have seen angels who said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. They're commanded to go and to tell the apostles. Now, what's interesting is what happens next. After the women go to the apostles and tell them what they experienced and what they saw and what they heard, listen to what happens in verse 11. And their words, meaning the words of these women, seemed to them, meaning the apostles, as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now, what's interesting here is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, the Lord is going to teach the saints about gifts of the Spirit and how each of us have different gifts. But what's interesting is that in verse 13, it says, to some it is given by the Holy Ghost to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. We know that Peter earlier had this gift. Remember when the Savior says, who say ye that I am? And he says, well, thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Christ tells him, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter had obtained this testimony through the Holy Ghost. But listen to what it says next. It says to others, it is given to believe on their words that they might also have eternal life if they continue faithful. Now, what's interesting is it would seem that Peter did not have this second gift or any of the apostles for that matter. It is a gift to be able to hear the words of others and to believe them. I feel like in our day and age, we are way too skeptical and people who believe the words of others are just considered gullible and written off as being unintelligent. However, it is a gift of the Spirit to hear testimony from others and to feel it and to believe it. And that shouldn't be looked down upon because it truly is a gift from the Spirit to be able to do that, to be able to have that faith and that trust to hear other people and to believe. In fact, it's so much a gift that the scripture says that even those who believe on the words of others can have eternal life if they continue faithful in that testimony. So it's interesting to me that The apostles didn't have this gift to believe the words of the women. The women say he was resurrected. He's not there. An angel appeared to us. And they considered that story an idle tale. And they ran off so that they could experience it for themselves, not believing on the words of others, but they wanted to see it for themselves. 
So let's jump over to John chapter 20 to see more details from this story. Again, remember John chapter 20, we're seeing the order a little bit different. In this one, it's Mary Magdalene who goes, she sees the stone is taken away, and she runs to Simon Peter, and according to verse 2, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which in the book of John, whenever he says that, he's referring to himself. So she runs to Simon Peter and to John, and she explains what's happened to them. And it says, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they both ran together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. First of all, I love that little flex from John that he's like, and I was faster than Peter. I got there first. (laughs) I think that brotherly, friendly competition has been the same no matter the era that we're living in. But John makes a point to say that he got there first. But what's interesting is he got there first and he looked in. It says, and he stooping down, looked in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Peter being the senior apostle, John sat and waited for him to catch up, which I think is a really cool detail and teaches us about respect for seniority in the apostleship. I think that's really neat. But another thing that I think is important to learn from this and that I think is something that we can learn from it, I've mentioned it before, specifically using these scriptures, but I'm going to say it again. I love that the apostles ran to have an encounter with Christ. You and I in our lives, we have opportunities to encounter Christ, not in this same way necessarily, but we have opportunities to have a connection to Christ or to gain a testimony of Christ whether that opportunity is every Sunday to the sacrament table, whether that opportunity is in the temples, whether it's in our scriptures or in prayer, we have opportunities to approach Jesus Christ, to gain a connection with him, and to gain testimony of him. The question is, do we run to those opportunities the way these disciples ran to the tomb? They didn't meander. They didn't take their time. They didn't get distracted, but they ran for the opportunity to come to Christ. They ran towards that opportunity to gain testimony of what had happened there. And my friends, you and I, as we approach our temple experiences, as we approach the scriptures, as we approach prayer, and as we approach that sacrament table every Sunday, we can approach it with that same intensity, that same needfulness that these two disciples approached that tomb. And we can figuratively run to those opportunities. But it takes effort to reach out to Christ and to draw his power into our lives. President Nelson has spoken about that. He said another element in drawing the Savior's power into our lives is reaching up to him in faith. Such reaching requires diligent, focused effort. When you reach up for the Lord's power in your life with the same intensity that a drowning person has when grasping and gasping for air, power from Jesus Christ will be yours. When the Savior knows you truly want to reach up to him, when he can feel that the greatest desire of your heart is to draw his power into your life, you will be led by the Holy Ghost to know exactly what you should do. When you spiritually stretch beyond anything you have done before, then his power will flow into you. My friends, that's what it means to run to the Savior, to run to these opportunities. And when we do that, when we, with all the energy and power that we can in our soul, reach for these opportunities to draw the Savior closer to us, we will feel greater power in our lives from Him. 
So Peter and John, they look in the sepulcher, they see the folded napkins and they believe, and then they leave. And in verse 11, it says, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and she turns around and sees a man and doesn't realize that it's Jesus. And in verse 15, it says, Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Something important is that word Rabboni is used very few times in the Bible, because Rabboni wasn't just master, it was like the highest degree of master, the highest degree of respect. But what I love about this verse and about this story is that at first Mary can't quite see the Savior clearly. We all have times in our lives like that when we can't quite feel it the way we want to feel it or can't quite see the hand of God or see the Savior in our lives the way we want to. And that's where Mary's at. She can't quite see the Savior for who he is. But what's beautiful is that with one word, with the Savior just speaking her name, she knew that it was him. My friends, in our lives, when we are going through difficult times where we can't quite feel things the way we want to feel them or see the way we want to see, it is imperative that we learn to recognize and hear the voice of the Savior so that when he speaks to us, his voice will be distinct. We will know that it's him. We will trust in what he says. And with all our faith, we can turn to him and declare, Master. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 